save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Back at it. So we are here. Special bonus episode of Conspiranormal, guys. We are going to talk about the Strange Realities Conference, finally. And our experiences there and the people that we met. And then we, as part of this little bonus episode, we've got our 45-minute, roughly 45-minute Q&A session that we are going to uh, play for you guys. We are back to the future now after the Strange Realities. That's right. Conference well, is over with. We're recording this thing about 10 days later. And as as we envisioned and manifested, <laughs> it was a blast and success. It was indeed. It was indeed. Um, well, let me get your thoughts about it first before we go into mine. Because mine was just mostly uh, timing speakers and... Uh, hectic stuff all day behind the but behind the scenes you were more uh just you know talking to people and getting to know them than than i than i really was that day yeah i got to shake a lot of hands and kiss a lot of babies shake Um, a lot of babies kiss a lot of hands just out there uh campaigning yeah and uh it was was great i mean uh we really didn't expect as many people to come from out of town that was really cool and yeah we had a few surprises then we met a lot of people from town too who we didn't know and that was really cool also. Right. Uh, not to mention, of course, we had a blast with all the speakers who are our friends. Uh, it, was, it was just great success. So let's go down the rundown of who we had speaking, um, who was there. And uh, we'll talk about kind of like everybody's speaking. So, so first of all, you know, I started the whole thing off, gave my little introduction, my little spiel. Um. At about 10 o'clock that morning, and we did this, guys, at SIR Nashville. It was a perfect place to do it. We had everything that we needed. We had a PA system. We had a sound guy in Rob. We had a projector and a screen, nice, chairs, nice clean tables, 
bath, nice bathroom, uh, couches. couches outside. I was able to put uh, tables outside. Refrigerator. That's right. Uh, refrigerator in the room where people could put beer, we could put water, that kind of stuff. We had we had also had your little cooler. Live tarot reading. Live tarot reading. Heather got there a little later on in the day, and she uh, she racked up on the tarot readings, man. Awesome. She was doing one after the other. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, like I said, I got up there, gave my little spiel, gave my little introduction. Mark Anthony Wyatt was up there at 10 o'clock. He was ta- or about 10.15 or so. We started a little bit early. He was talking about um, some of the folklore aspects in Cornwall. Now, keep in mind, I did not get to see a lot of the speakers because I was kind of running around. Right, right. I was also just keeping my had my little timer on my phone and giving like 10-minute uh, warnings to each speaker, five-minute warnings, whatever. Uh, after Mark, we had Timothy Renner come on. He talked about the Pennsylvania wild man flap of the 1920s. Um, that was only about a 45-minute presentation really cool then we broke for lunch yeah and i actually stayed there in the venue i think you went off to lunch somewhere yeah i went off with uh with who all uh jerry yeah jerry ablan was there from uh docs mente and cruising with steak he he was he was there he was the first to buy a ticket by the way yeah yeah he was he was real cool to hang out with and uh i had to unfortunately i had to round them all up and we had to take our food to go because we ended up on like the other side of town but uh yeah yeah and joe almost i think uh, joe was coming up right after that and i think he he i was about five minutes to the time that joe was supposed to be there i'm like where are you you're supposed to get up here and speak man and he got he got up there and he spoke about his Ghost Pro VR technology and then they did the demonstrations, which did was really cool. It was really cool to have the yeah. element like yeah. that in the in the in the uh, in the conference. And he had so he had some relatives there as well. Yeah, yeah, he had like a whole family reunion come out. And one was helping him. One or two of them were helping him uh, with his demonstrations. And then uh, was Zach after him or was that Josh? I had to look at the schedule of what we what we did. I think that it was Josh that came right after uh, right after Joe. I'm pretty sure. And Josh spoke about uh, alien human hybrid lore. Went through like the fairy folk and um, kind of kind of the combination of all of it. Well, actually, Zach Hunt was before Josh. Zach Hunt got up there talked about Unraptured, um, his book Unraptured. And then Josh was after that alien-human hybrid lore, and that was followed by Tim Banal, who talked to us about the bizarre world of the flat Earth theory. And then we went to dinner break, and we got pizza for everybody. Hung out a little bit. Hung out a little bit. That was about an hour. My my cousin Jason, who was there filming. Shout out to him for filming it. He filmed the the conference and he also MC dressed up yeah. like the like Ran, Macho Man Randy Savage. Excellent job. Yeah, very very much so. Uh, after the dinner break, we had Guy Malone talked about his uh, Roswell in nineteen forty seven. What really happened? Talked about the possibility of what happened at Roswell. What crashed there was some kind of experimental aircraft that also had human experimentation, and that was followed up by. Timothy Renner and Joshua Cutchin together presenting about their book, Where the Footprints In, which is about a more supernatural theory of Bigfoot. Right. Uh, that was then the Q&A panel discussion. And 
Then the music. Uh, Jason played during the, the the dinner break. He played my uncle's songs, his father's songs, and then we had a couple of acoustic acts come up, and then Goat Herder knocked it out of the park. Which uh, Jedediah almost left his guitar. Like he yeah. did leave his guitar there, by the way, and Rob had to get it to him the next morning. Uh, and then your friend DJ Mike Vulcan, yeah, played and actually played the coast to coast theme or the theme from the Chase from Midnight Express. Yeah, it was it was a awesome time and we have all this thoroughly documented on video multiple shots it's just to be seen what we're going to do with it exactly we want to yeah. uh, we definitely want to provide the value to people who came out and not just like give it out to anyone but uh it's it's really awesome and uh, the production of it is is a lot better than almost any video production of a conference that i've seen before we probably will not too far in the near future uh, put out at least on public on YouTube. At least some uh, clips. The, the Q then, the Q and A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just gonna have to figure out all that. We do have a lot of footage, so I'm just gonna have to figure out exactly what we're gonna do. And with we all have of audio it. of everything too. We have audio. Yeah, which so, you're gonna hear. Which you're gonna hear some of that. Right. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about the people that came out. Yeah. That we met. So we had kind of a. Yeah. Interesting crowd. First night, I met Jennifer and her husband from Arkansas, and yep. we hung out and got burgers and hot chicken. She's a big, big chicken. Word of the Road Go fan yeah, and Paranormal fan, Jennifer Campbell. And they really hit off with, with, uh, with Tim Banal talking about wrestling and the uh, paranormal wrestling crossover. Yeah, I was uh, too busy picking up people from the airport at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, we had fun, and... Uh, then uh, at the conference, we met uh, we met Jerry from Knox Mente mm-hmm. and Cruising with Steak. Uh, we met Eric from Minnesota. Yeah, and um, Eric actually was here for most of the week. We yeah, got to we hang got out to hang him. out again. Uh, he was a blast. Uh, we met uh, a local guy named Jonathan, who's really yep. cool and like a really big fan. Another fan of Grimerica, also. Yeah, he's he actually went on uh, cruising with Steak with the guys that uh, the next day and gave a nice glowing report of the uh, conference. Yeah, and uh, our some of our more of our local friends, uh, Joel and Heather was there, of course, mm-hmm. giving the tarot readings. Right. Uh, my friend Charisse was there. My friend yeah, Mara right. was there. It was a great time. Your uh, friend Kent. Kent, yeah, of course, mm-hmm. Kent showed up. And uh, we just had a we had a real good time, man. A lot of a lot of fellowship, a lot of uh, talking about crazy shit, and and I think we provided that type of experience that we wanted to. Yeah, we did. We had a few people. Also, we had uh, Katie from Birmingham, who's the only person that had a that we gave a flyer to that actually came to the conference. <laughs> of all the thousands of flyers that I passed out, she was the only person. So shout out to her and Sarah from Memphis. Oh yeah, you got oh, yeah. to talk to, but I never got to speak to. Yeah, definitely. It was it was real fun, man. There's a lot of a lot of cool people from out of town, and our uh, local people, new local people, and the get the guests and speakers. It was it was great. And also, don't forget the staff that we had. We had our little staff there. I had um, my friend Hallie, her boyfriend Max. They they manned the front of the conference. Um, Hallie was also did the the microphone pass the microphone around for the people asking questions in the Q and A. Doctor Future was there. She, she designed the shirt as well. Yeah. Um, so that people that people bought um, had a few people buy the shirt. Um, and also Luke was there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. As the uh, 
guy manning his very important job of manning the snack table. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, he and Eric uh, got to uh, got to got to bond most over, of the day over the Cheetos. And also Rob, don't forget Rob. Rob was oh, the yeah. main oh, yeah. the, the main guy. Rob was back. Yeah, and his friend Bob came came down from Louisville and helped him out a little bit. Um that uh, so Rob, Rob definitely shone through on this one. He was uh, did quite a good job. He, he also he also recorded uh, audio, recorded the entire thing. This is Jason uh, video videography. Could, the whole thing could not have happened without Rob. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm yeah totally glad that he was there and he was that he was a part of it. Uh, so yeah, I mean these these um, well. So did we mention? I think. Um, uh, Nikki was another guy from Grime that listens to Grime America. That, yeah, that came. Yeah, yeah. Um, as well. Um, friends with Jill, of course, they all know each other from the chat rooms uh-huh. and all that. So um, he was there. So we got a little, nice little like you know Grime America cruising with steak crew. Yeah, came yeah, out totally. as well. So want to thank those guys and you know thank uh, you know thank the people that that promoted that weren't there that helped promote it like Grimsteak, James Cruz and those that was guys. probably the most Soraya yeah, the most well. effective kind of promotion that we did period was it, the, it was the swap casting and the playing the commercials on the other podcasts yeah yeah and we we did face we did facebook ads I don't think we got anybody that came yeah, from the yeah. facebook ads I don't think we got really anybody except Katie, as I mentioned, that you know, she the only person we give a flyer to. Just saying, yeah, you know, out of the thousands of people, probably well, not thousands, but there was a lot of flyers, guys. I got yeah, it, we yeah. got at we least about got. <laughs> a thousand out there. So I was taking the flyers and I was actually like turning them into signs, writing like candy one dollar, drinks one dollar. You know, I was finding other ways to use them, just giving them away to people, like take flyers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Because we had so many of them, um, but it went well. It was it went well. We were we were on time. Uh, I got a lot of praise from like Banal, Cutchin, Timothy Renner, those guys. They uh, they said that uh, we were on time. Ran a tight and, uh, ship. We had also on the Q and A session. We had a couple of other people. Like you said, you had Doctor Future was there. Um, you know, I asked Doctor Future. I was like, Mike, do you want to? Do you want to speak? And he spoke anyway, guys, because when Zach Hunt was there, <laughs> he asked at least a good like twenty minute question. Um, so and I got him to announce that he's putting on his book. Um, that was for about like ten minutes. I think yeah. we, we talked a little bit about that. And he was part of the Q and A session, and also part of the Q and A session was Brent Rains, who was on one of our last shows, which will um, be the second to last, I think. Yeah, second to last by the time this is out. And also Johnny McMahon was there, um, who is the host who's been on the show before. He's also the owner of the Fringe Radio Network, which is the first podcast network that we were ever on. And uh, his friend Mark Britton was also there. He's good friends with with, um, Johnny and also with Mike, with Dr. Future. So, So I think that's a good rundown. Yeah. I don't know if there's anybody that there was a few other people that we spoke to. Um, you know, a couple of people. I think that they said they heard it from they they saw it online or whatever they did to search. Yeah, it was just, it was um, just a lot of there's a lot of camaraderie. But what we have like 40, 40 to forty five people. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, I'd say probably fifty at the at the, yeah. the peak. 
I think it's a good start. Absolutely. I think it's a good start. And I think that we can see now that, you know, like the podcast, that was definitely our most successful mm-hmm. was the podcast, uh, the podcast, little podcast networking right. thing that we did. So, so is there anything else that we want to add about it? Uh, no, just that, uh, you know, this was our first, uh, this was our first try at doing this and we're real interested in in continuing and doing doing more of these in the future uh bigger both bigger and smaller events possibly so we're just experimenting right now um you know there's there's nothing like getting together with that many like-minded people or really interesting people and just being able to hang out and talk about all this stuff yeah, we're looking towards Strange Realities 2020, what that may be. Um, if we do one, I'm really thinking about possibility of doing a, a two-day event, because yeah. I think we packed a lot into one day. Yeah, it was a lot, and I'm, I'm really happy yeah. how, how many people stayed through everything, too. Uh, but, you know, I understand if you needed just a break from the... Right, informa- from the information. Yeah, there was a ton of information. Um, I'm hoping also next year that Soraya can come. Yes, I think that 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 uh, would have that maybe yeah. that may be a distinct possibility because that would have been the whole crew pretty much. Yeah, very much so. Um, but also, would love to get Ren down here if he could. Yes. If he wants to come down. Um, so we will see. Um, got some ideas in my mind. I think that when we think that at least by probably February or March. If we do one, we'll be uh, we will be announcing by then. So guys, just stay tuned. But you won't hear too much about Strange Realities Conference <laughs> for a little very bit. much. We 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 beat it to death. But, but then, uh, like we said, I know there are people out there yeah. that if they could have come, they would have. Yeah, and so, and some of the people stayed behind also a couple days. So uh, we got to hang out on Sunday and show some folks the craziness of broadway yeah we took banal and cutching down to broadway yep and it was it was pretty wild i saw the neon lights reflecting in banal's eyes <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was an experience but yeah it was good to, it was good to hang out with those guys uh and it was kind of an extended weekend too because eric and uh, jonathan we took a little around like the secret mystical tour of nashville on wednesday so it kind of lasted into the week a little yeah, bit for us yeah. too. It, so it had been, it had taken over our lives for the past couple months, and then yeah, it was, uh, we are it continued. <laughs> we are definitely glad, guys, to be back doing just conspiracy normal for a little while. I think that that's probably where we're at, and um, it's uh, it was an undertaking. I'm very happy that I did it. Don't yeah, get me wrong, yeah. but it, it's it's a lot of work. We learned a lot. We we're learning yeah. by mistakes. So yeah. Yeah. All right. I think uh, that's it. I think without further ado, let's um, let them hear the Q&A session. I was thinking about the lady in white. And and it, oh, it's on. All right, good. Didn't she have the... Do we pass the stone or what? He has one. Do they have one down there? Oh, okay. They got one down there. At least that's what people thought were owls. I just wonder if that was sort of the beast. Testing one, two, three. Cohort. We do have forty minutes. We do have what we call big hoots. How many? What's Guy Malone doing? Is he coming up? Yeah. Come on, man. Who was still babies? I think. Didn't make it to the What's up? What's up? Hello, everyone. Say a small change got rained on with the zone thirty-eight. 
I don't know. I've already got this. That guy over there made me repeat some weird thing about an overland king, so I don't want to get like a Politburo mixed up in this. Exactly. The man they call Hawk. Right. It's been great. Do you need a microphone? Are you gonna start up? Are we gonna? Do you want this one? Yeah, around you. We'll start off with this. Unless this guy will start. Rob had specific instructions to turn off the mics. Maybe by the crowd rambling over time. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. Rob censoring. Nice. Right. Are we good? We were. Are we recording, Rob? Like I used to, always used to ask you. Okay, where's J- where's Jason at? Okay, he's right there. I'm convinced. Just give us the word. Jason. The video of the floor. He started looking at us, and the battery power miraculously went down. I'm gonna find the room and walk into it. Like, oh, I'm sorry. What's going on down there, buddy? Have you never met him? Uh, I know me. I have friends who know him really well, but I've never met him. Though. Do you need another memory card? Memory. We can start. Okay. <laughs> okay. And welcome to the Q and A session slash. This is going on the Conspiranormal podcast, guys. Thank you for being here at the Strange Realities Conference. Um, I want to thank all the people at the stage. Now, the way this is going to work, and the reason I said to kind of hold some questions that you guys may have, um, is that so we could do this at the end of the night. And Hallie over here has got the mic. You guys just motion for her whenever you need it, um, if you got any questions. But uh, I wanted to introduce a couple other people. This is Brent Rains down here. Uh, we, I, it was too late for me to get him as part of this. If I had known that he existed three or four months ago, I would have definitely had him because he only lives about like a hundred miles away from here. That's correct. So I, I wasn't here earlier. I just sort of tolpered in, but I'm, I'm here now. Yeah. Um, and this is Johnny McMahon, the owner Hi. of the Fringe Radio Network, oh, yeah. which was the first the first podcast network that Conspiranormal was ever on, was the Fringe Radio Network. That's actually before he owned it, but he's been a big, big, big supporter. And I also want to introduce Dr. Future down yeah. here as well. Uh, big, big inspiration for me, big, big mentor. Very important that he's here. And, of course, you know, Timothy Renner, Tim Banal, Joshua Cutchin. This guy right next to me is Serfiel. He's my co-host. All right. And also, this guy right here was instrumental in getting this done. You know, he's been kind of the in the background, but uh, he has made the – he's helped make this – poster over here, this banner, which you guys need to take pictures in front of at some point. Mark Anthony Wyatt, Joe Damari, at the end, Guy Malone. So I want to, before we get questions from the audience, uh, Brent, you've been here most of the day. You've been observing 
and Johnny will tell you, you can kind of go along with this too. What do you guys thought about what some of the things that you've heard? It was great. I love Joshua Ketchum. Great. Great. I like the flat earth. Just great. Great. How does, how does he say that? You guys are beautiful, beautiful people. <laughs> it's just great. It's great. Believe me. <laughs> no, it was great. I, I learned a bunch of things, and uh, I'm proud to have you on the Fringe Radio Network. Yes, sir. And that's all. Yeah. And Where Did the Road Go is on there as well. So, uh, Brent, some thoughts, man. I mean, this, this guy right here has been a ufologist. He's been in all this weird stuff since he was like 14. 14, 53 years. And like, he's corresponded with guys like John Keel, which he has a book about, which you guys should buy in the back. So, Brent, any thoughts about what well, you've seen? Well, <clears throat> I'm very impressed, um, and and you know this was not the ordinary lineup you get to going to uh, one of the mainstream conferences, UFOs or cryptozoology. I mean, every those conferences are based on trying to to prove a certain uh, common belief system mainstream. And what I saw here was was a real open-minded, objective exploration of all the different alternative possibilities that exist and. And that's what, you know, my, my, my book on John Keel, he was one of those early pioneers. And uh, it also has a forward by uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who helped me tremendously to prepare the book and passed away just uh, five days after it came out on Amazon. And uh, she was, you know, one, one hell of a researcher. So anyway, thank you. Okay. Let's open the floor for questions. So who's got a question? Sure, why not? I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know anybody's name, so I'm just going to say. Okay. The Wildenest, Wildengeist person? Yes. Yeah, ja, the Wildengeist okay. person. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just curious, like, you know, you were saying, like, you know, there's the whole poltergeist, and this is like a poltergeist in the wilderness, but you're not, I, I guess my question is, you're not in any way saying that all Bigfoot sightings necessarily are Wildengeist. There, there could be two separate things, right? Right. I, mean, I think it's a mistake that a lot of us make in talking about these things in general is that we want them to all be one sort of monolithic thing. Okay. I mean, the, the longer I go into the UFO field, the more I start to separate things in the sky from the contact experience. Not that there isn't some overlap. There's a significant overlap. But... I think we need to be comfortable enough with nuance to say that sometimes it might be, yeah, it might be a nuts and bolts flying saucer in the sky, and sometimes it's much more akin to a shamanic experience or something on a more spiritual level. Um, I think I think Tim's a little bit less charitable of flesh and blood Bigfoot than I am nowadays, but uh, one of the things that I've said oftentimes is that I wonder if there isn't uh, something that is using sort of the Bigfoot thing as an as as a mask so if you look into the work of some people that i really admire like uh mike cleland who has talks about uh owls you know mike it's not that mike doesn't think that owls aren't really actual you know flesh and blood birds but sometimes the owls are weirder and sometimes i wonder if myself with what i'm looking into if if uh there aren't actual large hairy hominids that are completely 
quote unquote natural running around the woods and sometimes whatever this other intelligence is sometimes picks that up as a skin right. again I think <laughs> Tim's not into that idea that would be accurate yeah <laughs> um, but you know I'm <clears throat> excuse me I'm uh, I, I, I try to sit with the reality of my own shortcomings and yeah so I, it, it, not necessarily all things just it's just another it's more of a thought experiment than anything else right just another alternative theory yes but not necessarily yeah. negating another theory in no any way. Right. I mean it might right right it might not but that's but that's not your point you're not might, trying to yeah. say this is the way it is and that's not the way it is no I mean right. I, I there are very few things that I'll I'll say that on cool that I'll commit to like okay. that yeah all right now I have another question if I if I may real quick for the Nazi UFO person, uh, whose name I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. So, just the, the thing that came right to my mind was, um, you know, back in 1947, you know, even before the space program, you know, when, when you're sending something out into space, monkeys or dogs or anything, you know, you're basically putting them in, on the top of a rocket and you're shooting that rocket up into space. You know, you have, you know, really, really ancient computers that are making it fly around and then it lands and you, you go get it. But, you know, to actually have something fly an aircraft in 1947, that's, are, are you, to, to think that uh, they were putting a child or something, uh, what was the pierogies? Uh, progeria. Oh, progeria, yes. Like a child with progeria in that, are, are, is the thought that it was in, like an automaton or it's radio controlled? Because they weren't teaching the uh, child to fly the plane, right? Correct. I don't okay. think so either. Okay. Uh, that r radio and remote controlled possibilities have been included in this presentation in the past. And I've had people follow up with me actually giving me documentation of uh, where the technology for remote control was. And that was that available time. at that time. And another thing that was happening was you were having to use real balloons, helium balloons, from that one photo I showed of Mike Kaiser just to get them off the ground to where they might not have even been uh, propelled moving around in the way that we picture flying saucers they going. Been taking them up just they might have been floating just to see, can you get a human to 30,000 feet and they still survive? And just put it on a balloon to where they weren't actually piloting a craft. They were just in it as a test subject is the best theory to answer your question. I agree with you. It's a great question. It comes up often, actually. If I recall, there was primitive drone technology used in World War II, right? That is yeah. what I've heard also. Yeah. I wasn't there, but. Okay. Who else has a question? It's all guesswork, given my age. It's all guesswork and a little bit of research, too. Okay. I'm, I'm very impressed by all, you, all your presentations. And Dr. Future, I'm very much familiar with you. Uh, everything seems to be research-based, but also experiential. And I just wondered if you would share some moment where you knew you had encountered the truth or something that drove you to, to continue to, uh, this exploration. Questions for everybody? Yeah, <laughs> yeah who, who wants to take it? I'm a childhood experiencer. I grew up believing I'd been abducted by aliens, so I would have had more than average motivation to get to the bottom line of the truth. Uh, and it's online at my webpage. I do an autobiographical thing of what all the stuff I believe happened to me in childhood. 
uh, and it was way before Whitley Strieber ever wrote his book, but I was experiencing a lot of the same things. So I wanted to know the truth. I, your, your question was, when did you arrive at the truth? And it was like, I don't know if I have today still. I'm still asking questions. I've got some answers, but because of my experiences and my desire to maybe stop them, I had more uh, than the average impetus to want to get to the bottom of, are these really aliens? What's happening to me? How do I make it stop? So that's where it started for me as an experiencer, not as a researcher. <laughs> Well, I'll just speak about myself. Uh, at age 14, I got interested, uh, and I started uh, collecting all the data I could get. And I had started by reading Frank Edwards' Flying Saucer's Serious Business, which was the regular classic uh, nuts and bolts mainstream theme of an extraterrestrial visitation. And so at that time, I thought, okay, it's uh, either what the Air Force says, just weather balloons, temperature inversion of Venus on the horizon, has explanations that are natural, or it is actually the, the spaceships. And then I began to read articles by people like Jacques Belly, the French-born scientist who had alternative ideas, and, and John Keel, who I've just written a book about. And uh, I began to realize there were a lot of complexities to the situation, and I began to interview people myself and traveled across country to to uh, meet people, researchers, experiences. And I, I don't have the answer now, but I'm not as certain as I was when I was age 14 that I had figured it all out. And I just know that there's uh, a lot more to it, I think, that understanding more about physics and consciousness. And, and there's a lot of anomalies there that we haven't just figured all out. So um, I'm still exploring. This body of research I'm doing that detects ghosts, I, I guess it was just Ghost Asylum about four years ago. I was invited to help the guys out. They, they saw me posting um, something called a ghost pad. I designed a, a thermal reactive pad for ghost footprints. Um, that's probably useful in a lot of what you guys are talking about. But... Um, I took it to a conference. Nobody bought it. I was like, are these researchers serious? Because I'm showing them new technology, but nobody is really interested. So I gave a bunch of free ones out. Then the, the coolest thing was the, the Tennessee Wraith Chasers saw that the free stuff, and they called me, and they said, Joe, we want, we want your help in the technology part of our show. And ever since then, I knew I hit... I, I knew I hit something big when I downloaded the MIT software um, that the MIT researchers were working on. Then I put in paranormal stuff on top of it. And ever since then, I, s I see ghost hands coming out of walls. So that's through video. So I'm like, there's something here, and I can't stop not making it better. And I think it... It's maybe a, an evolution thing for me. Like, I'm just, instead of being bored walking around in a circle at the mall, you know, uh, I'm like, I need to do this. This is more interesting. So that's basically it for me, just the well, MIT. I mean, I know you, and um, you, even before you discovered any of that stuff, you had had a lot of profound personal experiences. Yeah, those really didn't 
make me want to like scientifically figure them out. They were just um, interesting, and I thought they were fake at first until you know. You I didn't trust the experience. Yeah, I want it. Okay. I want a computer to tell me that it's real, basically. You know, like like it's more scientific to me because you have tons of psychologists you know saying that it's just in our minds so i'm like well if i can if a computer can say you can't say that's fake it's a computer you know it's just a a program saying it's like redrawing a graph of the environment you're in you know it's saying there's an anomalous structure here and it freaking looks like a humanoid i'm like okay so we're on to something you know to me yeah, the MIT was eye-opening. It said that there was something special, you know. But my childhood stuff, mostly, I don't know. I can't say it's a, a dream is real. I just still cannot say that. But it possibly could be half real. So, any other questions from any question from the audience? Okay. This is Chris, by the way. He's going to be playing for Hi, you in just a way. second. Yeah, his last name is By the Way. Hey, this right. is, yes, know. I'm Chris By the Way. So this is a question for any one of you up there. So do you believe that, like an encounter with the supernatural, would it be an act of aggression against the human race, or like a, a random act as if like a person were to come across like a bear in the woods? This is the human race, Terrence McKenna would probably say. I think that we're, I think that we're so baked into what this is that it's inextricable from who we are. I don't think it's necessarily always good or bad. I think that I just think it's part of the human experience, and I think that we've been suppressing it for the longest time. That's my own two cents. Anybody else? What's the question? I, don't I think it's in nature. It's a some. We're still discovering why and what it is, and why it's there, and what it's doing. All right. Anybody else have any questions? Hey, guys. I really thoroughly enjoyed uh, the parts I was here for. Forgive me for missing some stuff. And thus, my question might be, you know, touching on something you already touched on. But uh, something that kind of, uh, I wouldn't say puzzles, but certainly makes me curious, the concept of how uh, these beings might actually be us from the future. Is that something yeah. that, that a lot of people talk about? Doctor. Dr. Future. <laughs> Here, I'll try that one. I'll try that one. Uh, I mean, yeah, people talk about it. It's one of the... I think Brad Steiger had a list of like thir- maybe 13 or more things that UFOs could be. And that was that's on the list. So it's... A, yeah, it's entirely possible, you know. It, it, to me, uh, I suppose it's just as plausible, I guess, as like that they're aliens from another planet, Right stands to reason we don't know what they are so well get getting away from the ufo part of it a little bit and talking about the uh paranormal uh encounters um has any i'm i'm asking because i want to learn i've learned so much from this already that i want to you know talk to y'all and you know when i get a chance behind the scenes here and get some references or you know go look this up in the podcast or whatever but um do you think there's any chance that well, of course, there's any chance uh, that some of the, the, the ghost images that we might see or encounter could be a diminished self as a result of time travel. 
interesting. So you're saying like that? You're saying like a ghost photo could be a uh, time traveler? Uh, you're postulating the, that? The gentleman that was talking about the technology was talking about how he has physically been able to see like a, a hand come through. Right, right, right. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is that has anybody discussed the idea that that time travel would present to us a diminished self? I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could only manifest in a what would look to us as a spiritual. Right, like say, like like a like a like a situation where like uh, let's say like a hundred years in the future, you can go into like a little like a little uh, you know room, and it'll project you as a ghost essentially, yeah. for lack of a better term, yeah. a hologram or whatever. Yeah, well, to the past. It's kind of the idea. Yeah, it's I like think you, it's possible. You can come, but you can't bring your luggage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as an observer. Like, so that way you can't interfere with the actual time. I mean, that's entirely possible. I mean, I don't see why not. What would make sense with that from quantum mechanics is that you can send information uh, faster than the speed of light and in time, but that's all you can send. You can't send material, like physical material, but you can send information. Which and could be an image, right? And that's what a hologram would be, would be you're sending information. So that wouldn't violate any of the immutable laws about the past or perturb or anything like that. It's a very interesting idea you have there is that you're basically being a watcher over what's going on possibly, you know? And it would be interesting if it worked in reverse too. And if you could get images that were really from then for you to view. So. And you kind of pull it all out of the supernatural bit, or what people describe as supernatural. Bit. Mm-hmm. You've actually got technological advance that just blows our mind. Yeah. It kind of makes sense because they wouldn't want, if they could make time travel, they wouldn't want you going back into the past and breaking things. Yeah, so you'd have to be an observer, I think, presumably. You know, That would know. be safe. Yeah. I appreciate it. I'll add this about the time travel concept. Uh, There is a researcher, Paul Eno, that is out there. I know Brent is familiar with him. He does talk about what he believes that hauntings and ghosts are really just everyone exists that has ever existed exists at the same time, that time doesn't actually, isn't actually real, if that makes sense. So, yeah. There's no linear time. I was just going to chime in uh, while we're talking about this, how Tim and Josh, we've explored these ideas that uh, the Bigfoot and these wild man archetypes are like our, could be our past self or some kind of relation to the ancient natural world, but then the, a lot of the alien UFO phenomenon could be like our, our future selves, and this is some kind of loop that all relates to us. Yeah, I think if there's one takeaway that you can sort of get from a lot of the speakers at this conference, it's that uh, whenever a certain idea is so popular that it reaches critical mass in any subject, but particularly in the paranormal, um, I think it's important to draw the conversation away that to that back to alternate, um, alternate rather hypotheses, because none of this is proven in any sense or fashion. Even the objective reality of this stuff isn't proven. So why should we bother marrying ourselves to the idea that Roswell was a crash flying saucer or that Bigfoot is an ape or that, you know, UFOs come from extraterrestrials. Um, I think the idea that we should entertain ideas like ghosts might be time travelers. I think those are, it's, it's healthy to engage in that regardless of necessarily how 
much evidence there is for that. And really, honestly, there's not, <laughs> there's not any less evidence for that than there is for a lot of the more popular ideas. Um, I think it's really healthy to sort of engage with this, that push and pull. And I think it's something that uh, Adam's done a really good job. Adam and Serfield have done a really good job of bringing some people together who are bringing some alternative ideas to light. So kudos to you guys. I'll sort of take the hit and go where a lot of us kind of are afraid to go, I think, publicly. But at this particular conference, uh, the biblical or Christian worldview has not been underrepresented like it is at so many other conferences like this. And uh, to, at the risk of being the simpleton in the group, a lot of the phenomena has been, by many researchers, Kiel, Valet, Carl Sagan, the word demonic has come up over and over again in all of our reading and all of our research. I don't want to reduce it to that it's the only explanation, but for the sake of the podcast, for the archiving, you know, we, I, gosh, every one of us has stumbled across it and we haven't disproven it. We're not even motivated to disprove it. I think in this modern age, we just don't want to be the idiot that uses that word in a sentence in public anymore. But the other talk that I do that I'm, I think more known for than this Roswell one is uh, are aliens demons or evidences for why Christian fundies call aliens demons. And I, like, like I said, I literally quote Jacques Vallée and Carl Sagan in that one too. A uh, few of you have seen it. You're familiar with the point of view, but just I want to, without being politically incorrect or whatever the word is, and without being a sissy, you know, the, the when you're talking about Bigfoot. They scream like a banshee from hell and all the other quotes you used, poltergeists and all that stuff. And my experiences are stopping abductions um, because they're paranormal or spiritual experiences, not aliens. That's well documented in this field too. I don't want it to go ignored. I don't want to push it on anybody, but I don't want that view to go ignored here as well. Well, something that's a very strong folklore trend sort of built off of that. Um, I mean, you know, there's no shortage of places in America that are devils so-and-so. Um, the idea that, you know, uh, I mean, for better or worse, um, a lot of demons in uh, the European tradition were regarded as sort of hairy wild men. They all sort of got conflated. Wild men and wild women were conflated with demons. And uh, if you look to places nowadays that are devils so-and-so or you know demons so-and-so, uh, you'll find a strong correlation with uh, Sasquatch reportings there, too. So I'm not discounting it. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> as, as a Christian myself, I, I wrestle with this, like, literally on a daily basis. Um, I, I, I try to carve out a little wiggle room for some stuff that's in between and not quite good nor evil. And I don't know if that's, again, I, I'm pretty sure that's not theologically sound. But, um, but I think that we can a lot of many of us can agree that there is a strong possibility of a spiritual component of some sort, some sort to all this. Yes, please. As far as I can, I'm, I'm aware. I mean, sorry. <laughs> okay, I thought you turned it off. Uh, it's, it's like a default position. It's always demons. You, you hear it on all these ghost shows. It's always it's a demon. It's a devil. And there's all this this, this language is thrown about. But but we know that you know even if we accept. The Jesus story and everything. If you go back, you know this stuff all existed before. Sorry, this stuff all existed before we had Christianity. So, I, you know, whilst I respect it, and I, I was brought up in the church, um, I just feel that it's just like the go-to position all the time. If it's bad, it must be demon. Why can't they just instead? They're not necessarily bad. 
they, they could be energy vampires, whatever. They, they have a need to survive on whatever they're feeding on. You know, what we see as bad might not necessarily be bad. Um, but you meet me on a bad day and I might be bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I think that's about it. I can't really get much further. Okay. We got a time for a couple more questions from the audience. Okay, this is for Josh and maybe anyone else who wants to weigh in on like biblical interpretations of UFOs. Um, you see Ezekiel's wheel reference, the wheels within wheels and the beasts references a UFO encounter in some of the m more esoteric writings, the more like new age writing about UFOs. But most people don't talk about the part where the entity that Ezekiel thinks is the voice of the Lord gives him a scroll to eat so he can carry the message to the Israelites. Does that story fall in with your food taboo series? Wow. That's a great uh, question. That's a, that's a deep cut. Well done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I should have written about that in the book, and now I'm on the spot about it. Um, <laughs> I think it does. I think it speaks to a broader motif of internalization of, you know, the other internalization. <laughs> you just give you a Slim Jim? <laughs> we, need a, we need a holiday every time this year where, like, you pop in through my toilet and give me a Slim Jim, like some sort of reverse Santa Claus. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, if you ate that Slim Jim, much as Ezekiel ate his... Uh, no, I, I think it speaks to, to, to sort of broader motifs of, of consumption as a means of internalization. Um, you know, I, I think that I would be somebody who would say that the Von Daniken approach of the gods were aliens is sort of an inversion of a greater truth, which is that the aliens were gods. Um, but uh, in terms of that, that story specifically, I think it, it really speaks to that concept of, of consuming that which you wish to become and consuming that to inter internalize it and to sort of hopefully have an outward expression of what you put into your body. I mean, if you look at, uh, if, if you look at uh, the, something I talk about in the book, which obviously you know because you cited me and called me out for it. Um, uh, this concept of eating the God is, is prominent in a lot of different cultures. The idea of, of taking something of the divine. In this case, not necessarily the flesh of, of the divine and consuming it to become in one sort of communion with the other, but rather uh, to sort of take something that has been given to you, which is in some sense a little bit more palatable. But it's a great question, and I think that you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's consistent with that motif. Um, there was a story that uh, Mike Clellan told me, consulted with me about before his latest release, which was stories from the messengers about uh, a woman who was like compelled to eat some owl feathers. And this was a weird owl. This wasn't like an owl owl. This was like a Mike owl, <laughs> which is its own thing. Um, and uh, after doing that, there was this whole like sort of shamanic thing that happened. So um, I think, yeah, I think they're part and parcel. That's probably not as in-depth an answer as you were hoping for, but that's the best I got right now. So, <laughs> okay. We got time, I think, for at least one more question. Heather. Hi, everyone. 
Hi, Heather. <laughs> uh, I've spent a lot of time out in the hallway when I, re- I really wasn't expecting to spend that much time, but it was an enjoyable afternoon, evening. Um, so I missed if anybody spoke about it, but I recently picked up this book by a gentleman named Allegro who talks about mushrooms as a divine vehicle and how the scriptures that are referencing um, food of the gods is actually speaking about uh, mushrooms. If anyone would like to speak to that, I'd be delighted to hear your opinions. So what was your question again, <laughs> specifically? Ah, I'm the food guy, food the guy. biggest guy. At the, at the, hey, uh, food, so guy. food guy. Yeah. Um, so, so specifically to, to mushrooms being the food of the gods? Yeah, like mushrooms being actual uh, I mean, yeah, psychedelics as being the divine there's, there's impetus. Well, there's such a robust history to unpack from there. I mean, you know, if you take a look at sort of the uh, the presence of the mushroom, it sometimes appears. It's <laughs> my Terrence McKenna voice. Um, you know, it, it, there's there's some evidence that suggests that uh, the 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 fruit of the tree of knowledge was actually a mushroom. There's a fresco in one particular church in France that depicts that. Um, some people have taken this a step further to claim that early Christianity was actually, in fact, a mushroom cult, that they actually would exhume the bodies of dead saints and find mushrooms, which I don't know, I don't think the mushrooms you'd find growing on dead saints would be psychoactive, but maybe they were. And they would consume those, which is sort of where we get this idea of consuming the body and the blood and the flesh of Christ. Um, uh, you know, the thing that Terrence McKenna... Uh, talked about was his stoned ape hypothesis, which I'm not sure if that's in the book, but um, for anybody who doesn't know, the idea that uh, apes as hunter-gatherers would sort of follow bovine herds and the bovine herds would take a dump and the dump would produce psilocybin and small amount psilocybin enhances visual acuity, so you have better uh, hunting methods and you also have in larger amounts the effect of glossolalia, which is the idea of just making up words on the spot. That sort of idea. And that the idea was that from that emerged into speech. I personally, as much as I love Terrence McKenna, um, I, I, I get his A to B and I get his B to C and I get his C to D. But when I try to draw A to D, I just don't see that connection being quite as strong. Um, but, I mean, the idea that the mushroom itself uh, has not had some sort of forging role in mankind, I think would be, to, to, to take that stance would be a little bit naive because it does seem to have opened a lot of, uh, a lot of entheogenic interactions with what people would perceive as the other. What, what, whether or not that is actually something divine, I don't know uh, whether or not that actually is the other. I don't know. I'm inclined to believe that there's something more behind the psychedelic experience than just mere hallucination. That's my own personal opinion. Um, having not done a single psychedelic in my life, uh, but uh, but um, if uh, if if uh, I think the idea of of the uh, of the mushroom as being the food of the gods is there, there. I think there's some some weight to that particular theory. And uh, tune into History Channel. Could I make a comment on that real quick? Uh, Plus, Stone Ape is a really excellent stoner rock band name, uh, for sure. Stone Ape, yeah. Yeah, please. Yeah. Dr. I, Future. If I could give the um, church lady, fuddy duddy answer, wet blanket, um, there may have been some fringe groups that would call themselves Christian. I'm sure probably there were. 
uh, even like today where we have people that use ayahuasca in a sacred event that would even call themselves Christian. And you've got all sorts of groups like Santeria and things like that that are far flung. But I think historically, not only through Orthodox Christianity, but Judaism and you know their founding documents before, the, the whole core of sorcery was the use of ingesting of substances we now call entheogens that are for a ritual purpose to open these passages. And it was, it was forbidden because it was an uncontrolled interaction with the, the spirit world and spirit beings. And it's sort of like when I, I had the privilege of speaking at a United Nations conference back in 2008 on religion and spirituality. And everybody else in the room, um, I think Edgar Mitchell was there, but the rest of them were spirit channelers and mediums and use these things. And, and I told them my understanding of history is when you have those interactions in the spirit world, you better check IDs. And so just like you don't go in a strange city and you go off in every alley Without, you know, as a tourist and not expecting you're going to have a problem, if you don't know who you're interacting with, you better be careful. And that's because I really respect the effect that some of these can have. Sometimes maybe it is just a pure hallucin- you know, hallucination. Your, your brain is rewired and you're starting to smell you know, green or something. But in many cases, and I think in certain things like ayahuasca and things like this and DMT, there are collective experiences that happen. You go back to... Um, not only in Genesis 6, which gives some of that information, but in the first book of Enoch, it makes it very clear that there are certain spirit beings who don't like us and who are jealous of us. They don't like our procreative capabilities. They don't like the favor that we were given. And it says that they were planted these roots and other kind of things to use in this means not for our good and as a doorway for them to exploit us. I have often wondered the fact that Pure DMT, for example, as I understand it, won't work normally, will not activate your pineal gland. If it's, if it's inhaled, it will. If it's ingested, it will not because of monoamine inhibitors. Well, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going with this, the, the monoamine oxidase. Um, and why they mix, as I understand it, MAOIs or inhibitors, MAO uh, inhibitors in the ayahuasca, so then it can have that interaction. Uh, I also understand that um, your regular digestive processes is what produces that inhibitor. And counterintuitively, um, extended periods of time of famine, where you, where you actually, you know, you don't take in food, can have a rep- replicative effect. And that's why I think often, even Jesus said, he says, you know, like some of these, like casting out demons, can only happen by prayer and fasting. But the key point is, is that when you're doing this, it's so effective that you better be talking to somebody you know in the spirit world, rather than just put, putting out, was it Tinder? I don't know. You see things where you just sort of go out and find anybody. So you, you know, you I mean, meet. Or Grinder, depending on what you're doing. Well, yeah, I don't I really don't. I'm the old folk Manal's here. a big Grinder fan. So, so. That, That's how we met, actually. No, I, I really, I really like it. <laughs> It was Dr. Fugiality. I really like your uh, your alley analogy because um, I've often said that I don't think that anything about you know a Ouija board is necessarily inherently evil. Oh hello. Oh hey. Uh, I don't think anything about a Ouija board is necessarily evil, but it's kind of like driving through a bad neighborhood with your windows down. And like sometimes I think like sleep paralysis is. You're in a bad neighborhood and your car is stalled and your windows are down. And so, you got yeah. your wallet out, counting yeah. your money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really apt analogy. I totally, completely, hundred percent agree. 
every year, <clears throat> I invite Dr. Future to Oregon to go on a mushroom trip with me. I would so, love to see that. I've, he, yeah. So he's talked about love that, to see being that. with somebody yeah. he knows. So, Doc, you can be with somebody you know. Okay. We'll fly yes. back out to Oregon. They're, they're in bloom right now. <laughs> it's it's, it's so, really not the mushrooms I'm scared of. It's Johnny that I'm scared of. Okay. <laughs> Josh is like, call me. Call me. Okay, I'll hook up with you. Yeah, we'll be there. No, I, I was saved on mushrooms uh, in 1983. Almost killed me. I took 150 of them, which the dose is 25. I boiled 150 of them down into a cup of cream of mushroom slime, and it almost killed me. I was in the hospital for about three days. And anyway, I was brought down. I went down into the ground like 300 feet and with all the worms and the bugs. But they were, they were, they were killing each other, but not for food or survival, but for pleasure. And Jesus showed up, and he goes, this is sin. And that was the end of it. But that was the beginning of my walk. So I just love mushrooms. (laughs) You know, I think that's... (laughs) The only sad thing, Johnny, is I just wish we could say you were typical. It's hard to take Johnny Data and apply it to the whole population. Yeah. (laughs) Tim, do you want to add something? It's hard to follow that. The only thing with, uh, when you start talking about the Bible, it's like, to me, it's the same thing as when people say, oh, it's all gin. The gin explains everything. You're just giving different names for the same things we've been talking about folklorically forever. So if you're going to use the Bible as a proof, you first have to prove that the Bible is true. And you take it on faith, okay, that's your faith. But to the rest of us, eh, it's the same folklore under a different name. Well, I can't dispute that. All I'm just saying is that's the information I'm familiar with, you know, and that's who I take credible. And I don't see a whole lot of people, a lot of people who take DMT, for example, see things that absolutely terrify and horrify them, but yet they still seem to be attracted to it, almost like an addictive effect. Uh, which I think a lot of alien abduction experiences have been described that way, where people are absolutely terrorized, but somehow they want their terrorizer to come back again. So there's a lot I don't understand about that, and I don't plan to find out if I can help it. I think it's the idea of the the trial, you know, of going through, coming out the other end of a negative experience. Guys, I think that's a... But we are out of time. That's a good place to stop. If you guys have any other questions, these guys are available for the next two hours. Feel free to talk to them. We have music. Uh, I do want to thank everybody on this stage. Dr. Future, Timothy Renner, Tim Banal, Joshua Cutchin, Serfiel Stevenson, Mark Anthony Wyatt, Joe Damari, Johnny McMahon, Brent Raines, and not, last but not least, Guy Malone. And I want to, and I want to thank a few other people as well. Jason Von Stein, my cousin, came all the way here from Atlanta to film this entire thing. Okay, I want to thank uh, Max and Hallie over here for manning, doing, getting the pizza, manning the front, and uh, also, where's Luke? That's the question we always ask. Where's Luke? And 
This guy right here that made it all possible, give him a big hand, Mr. Robbie Lenz. <laughs> this is the guy that without, there would be no conference without this guy right in the back. So, Mr. Robbie Lenz. And this guy right here. My co-host, my partner in this whole endeavor. We have been through this thing for like two, three months. This guy is great. You guys get to know him. Please take a picture. We're going to take a group picture by of the speakers and the staff and everything. So, But please feel free to take a picture by the banner. Thank you. Too. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for coming to Strange Realities 2019, and hopefully there will be a Strange Realities 2020. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.